You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, this morning we're going to continue in the book of Exodus. We've been preaching through the book of Exodus. We made some super progress. Uh, we the really the story starts off early on with the children of Israel. That's God's people in the Bible. Uh, they are in slavery. They have been for four hundred years, which is hard to even wrap your mind around. But God has moved them out, moved them to the Red Sea. They were kind of stuck there, and God opened up up the Red Sea and the children of Israel, two million people walked through the sea. And then when the, the Egyptians followed suit to run after them, to, that, then God swallowed them up in the sea. Cool story. God destroyed the Egyptian army and God saved. He rescued. And then they're on the other side and God is moving the people of Israel. He's directing their steps through a cloud by day, a fire by night. And what happens is they end up in the wilderness. Not a fun place to be. And last week we talked about that, the wilderness, hard times. But we saw that God was faithful to his people. Can I get an amen? Amen. And we said last week, it's a little cliche, but say it with me. Life is hard, but God is good. Now, say it one more time. Life is hard, but God is good. Good. And if you're online, I want to encourage you to go ahead and type that in. Let us know you're there and we can communicate in that way. So today we're going to continue. And I want to encourage you. uh, And by the way, we have one copy left. If you want a copy of the ESV journal uh, today, you can get up right now and go grab it. It's at the Connection Center and we're going to order more for next week. And because we really are encouraging you to follow along and take notes, circle, highlight, and follow along with the notes. And we believe that this will become a real treasure to you. And so far we've made it through uh, 15 chapters, 16 and 17 last week, and, or no, 16 and 17 today, come on, I'll get it, Nancy, don't worry, and, uh, but anyway, but we want to encourage you to, to be pre-reading before you come to church, and so next week's assignment is Exodus chapter 18, and we're almost getting to the Mount Sinai and, and then the Ten Commandments, but next week, chapter 18, but today, We're about 30 days past the Red Sea, 30 days into the wilderness, one month, and God is directing his people. 45 days after they have left Egypt. And the truth is, after 400 years of slavery and now 45 days of freedom, can we just acknowledge that the children of Israel, God's people, they are young in their uh, in their faith with God, that got, their faith needs to be developed and to see it grow. And that's exactly what we're watching. God is testing and we get a front row seat to it. And the challenge is for us to see ourselves in the story. How can our faith grow? How can we be challenged? How can we be growing? How can we be avoiding pitfalls? And so today when we get to Exodus 16 and 17, we, we know that 400 years in Egypt, this is all the people knew. 
And now a few days into the desert, they're looking back and saying, what in the world is going on? The people of God resorted to looking back and saying, wouldn't it have been better if we just stayed in Egypt? They're experiencing some hardship, no doubt, but they're saying the grass was greener in Egypt, so to speak. It's kind of like having a job, and you're, you're in a job, but you're looking back at your old job and saying, man, my old job was better than the job I've got now, until your spouse says, don't you remember you hated that job, <laughs> right? It's looking back with rose-color glasses. It's like being in a relationship, right? And you're saying, well, I miss my boyfriend, right? And then your best friend reminds you that he was rude and often abusive, right? And you're saying, yeah, but maybe it wasn't so bad. Well, that's exactly what was happening to the children of Israel. 400 years of bondage is a long time. And it was hard, slavery. And if you need to be reminded, reread Exodus chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 2. And it paints an incredible picture. They're killing babies. They're, they're making the work so hard they could never get it done. And now, 30 to 45 days later, the people are saying, well, we're in the desert now. We're in the wilderness. Maybe it would have been better if we would have never Left, And that's where we pick up the story. Exodus chapter 16, verse 1 and 3. Let's pick it up there. If you're following along in the SV Journal here, page 76, it says this. They set out from Elam. Remember, that's where God provided 12 springs and 70 palm trees provided for every family. And all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of sin. Now, this is not a sinful place. It's really the wilderness closest to Mount Sinai, of which is between Elam and uh, Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And then verse 2 says, And the whole congregation of the people of Israel, say it with me, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. In other words, looking back, right? When we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, but you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. They were grumbling. And remember last week, after three days into the wilderness, they sh showed up at Mara, where there was bitter water, and they were thirsty. And what did the people do then? They grumbled. And now, in 16 and 17, we're going to see a whole lot more of that. They were thirsty last week. Now they're hungry. You say, well, the thirst, we acknowledged last week that that was a legitimate need. You cannot live without water for three days, right? You need water. But were they really hungry? Were they without food? I don't think so. Because when you look, they left Egypt. They had packed food. And they had all kinds of cattle, livestock with them. They, it wasn't that they were completely out of food. It was their perception. And their perception led them to grumble. In fact, 11 times in these two chapters, we see them grumbling 
complaining. And in some ways, I don't know, maybe it's the Pharisee inside of me. I'm saying, what in the world are you complaining about? God has led you by a cloud by day, a fire by night. He's provided water. He had the burning bush. And it's like, I I wish that if I were in the story, it would have been different. But the reality is, I probably would have been the same I would have probably been grumbling with the best of them 45 days in. And the reason is because it's the human condition, isn't it? People are seldom content or satisfied, especially in today's day. We are living in West Michigan here, most of us, unless you're online somewhere else. But in the most indulged society ever in all of history. One pastor said this week as I was studying, the garbage disposal in most houses eat better than a third of the rest of the world. And you think about that. That's sobering. And we're so easily discontented. And it's not that we're just looking back. It's that we have affluence and maybe it's just not enough or we're always thinking about the next thing or, or maybe it's that we feel like we're entitled to something or we start comparing ourselves with our neighbors or our friends or we let selfishness get a root in our heart. And what happens, grumbling becomes a real issue. And grumbling ends up doing a couple things. It distorts the past. It exaggerates the present. But most damning, it dishonors God. Look at it. Exodus 16, 8 says, Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. That all grumbling is against the Lord. Look at it again. In Exodus 17, verse 1, it says, But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled or grumbled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel? Or why do you grumble with me? Why do you test the Lord? Every time you grumble or complain about anything, you're not complaining about your friend or your neighbor, your parents, about your school, your teacher. You're grumbling against the Lord. In church, we've got a front row seat to learn from the children of Israel and to do better. You say, well, how can we learn? Well, we can learn. Turn with me if you've got your Bible or write it down. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verses 1 through 6, then 9 11. Look what it says. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. That our fathers were under the cloud, right? He's talking about the children of Israel. And they all passed through the sea. Talking about the Red Sea. And they were baptized into Moses, into the cloud, and into the sea. And they ate the same spiritual food that we're going to talk about here in a second. And they drank from the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. That's important. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Then look at verse 6. It says, now these things took place as an example for us. Paul is looking back at the story of Exodus and saying, look, church in Corinth, you need to learn something. This is for us to learn. And then in verse 9, it says, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor should we grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things 
were given to them as an example, but they were written down. Why? For our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. In other words, it's saying pay attention. This is something for us to be able to follow, to to be able to grow in. To look at other verses like Philippians 2 verse 14 that says, Do all things without grumbling and disputing. In other words, don't complain. Don't be quarreling. Don't be grumbling. And what really caught my attention is that in the midst of all this grumbling that was happening by God's people, what do we see God doing? What does God do? Well, last week we said that God is good. Can we say that together? God is good. His character is good. We've been studying the fruit of the Spirit for the last two weeks on Wednesday nights, and that's all about His character. So He's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think I got them all. The idea is that God is incurably good. He's full of grace. He's full of favor. He's full of goodness. And what does God do in the sight of all this grumbling? Let me pause for a second. Let me just be, let's make it very clear. You best be glad I'm not God because I would be like, all right, you're grumbling. Lightning, baby, right? I'm going to strike or I'm going to send another plague or I'm going to send another flood and wipe these crazy people out. But no, God doesn't just dismiss the grumbling. He doesn't even ignore it. Look at it. Exodus 16, verse 9 says, Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation, the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord. And look at it. For he has heard your grumbling. God listened to the people. Wow. And we see in the story as it progresses that God does three things in response to their grumbling. He doesn't send fire and lightning and a flood. Instead, the first thing he did is God gave his people bread. Look at it, Exodus 16, verse 4. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you. God provided Verse 11 and 12 says, And the Lord said to Moses, I have, some, I have heard the grumbling of the people. Say to them, At twilight you will eat meat. He's going to send quail. And in the morning you shall be filled with bread. And then I've got this highlighted. I want you to circle this and put a star by it. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Verse 13, In the evening quail came and covered the camp. So they had meat. And in the morning, dew lay on the, on the campground. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people saw it, they said to one another, what is it? Turn to your neighbor and just go, what is it? Right? And then it says, for they did not know what it was. And, they, and Moses said to them, It is bread that the Lord has given you to eat. So when the people grumbled, God gave them bread. This is a miracle. Some people try to um, discount the miracle, and they talk about little insects or little things that that might have been seen in the, the desert. 
that they could have used that were similar. But listen, I am glad we serve a miracle God, and I'm okay to say this was an absolute miracle. When they said, what is it, that they called it manna, which, is what, which means what is it. And the thing about manna, it appeared when Moses said it would. It was uninterrupted for 40 years. Uh, it didn't matter what the weather was. And it was enough for 2 million people every single day. And it was, there was too much or two times as much on the sixth day. We're going to read about that in a little bit. Other nations didn't get this manna. And once they re- arrived at the uh, promised land at Canaan, it stopped. So the question I had is, okay, God is, has done this miraculous thing. Why did he wait until they grumbled to provide? Why didn't God just provide it without the need being there first? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, you can write it down and look at it later, 8 verses 2 and 3, it says this, And you shall remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you for 40 years in the wilderness. They're looking back that he might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commands or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and feed, or feed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by the word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. I'm convinced this past week as I studied that God He waited, then provided bread to help grow the people's faith. He gave them manna. Eventually, this manna would be stored in a a jar in the Ark of the Covenant as a remembrance. And the idea of manna, really, from a big picture, is that God provided daily. And so the idea here is, yes, I will trust God for today, And tomorrow when it comes, I will need to trust God again. We trust each and every day that God will provide. The other thing manna does, and we won't take the time to look at it. You can write down the the next couple verses. John chapter 6, verses 31 through 35, really points to Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. But in this particular case, um, it's after the feeding of the 5,000. Um, And then they're talking about Moses, talking about manna, right? And it says in verse 35, Jesus is the bread from heaven. The other verse is John 6, verses 49 through 58 at the end of the chapter. And again, we see that the people who ate manna still eventually died in the wilderness, right? But the people who feed on Jesus will never die. That's a big deal. And we'll talk about that at a future date. But the thing that we can focus on today is that we need to focus or we need to feed on Jesus daily for our provision. Amen? Amen. God is good. And he gave his people bread first. The second thing he gave his people was the Sabbath. And let's look at it. Exodus 16, verses 22. We'll start there. It says, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread Two omers each. And where, or when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath. 
to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to keep it until morning. So they laid it aside till morning as Moses commanded. And it did not stink. And it did not have worms in it like it had previously when they tried to store it. Moses said, eat it today. For today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it on the field. Six days you shall gather, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. And you're thinking, wow, uh, that's pretty amazing. It's a miracle. God was directing one day out of seven. There was no manna. How many of you might have went out that next day uh, and just to see, just to check. Well, the people of Israel did. Look at 27. It says, On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, uh, you, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. And I've got this highlighted. You can circle it. Verse 30. So the people rested on the seventh day. By the way, this is the first mention of Sabbath in Scripture, which is important. You say, well, what is Sabbath? I don't understand what that is. It's the Lord's gift to his people. When he created us, mankind, he created us with a rhythm, one day of rest for every seven. So you work six days, you rest the seventh. That's the way we were made. What does Sabbath mean? It means this. You can write it in your journal. It means to stop, to quit, to cool it. The word Sabbath is a word of time. In other words, you could write in there, waste some time. You don't work on the Sabbath. Why? So you can celebrate what the Lord has and is doing. Now the question I have, well, what if you don't take advantage of this spiritual and physical rest? Well, Pastor Sean and I, we've been going through a series, uh, The Art of Better Preaching, and this last week, it's just cool how the timing hit. Uh, the, the, in the teaching, they were talking about the Sabbath, and they used this little phrase, if you don't take the Sabbath, the Sabbath will take you. If you don't take the Sabbath and rest, the Sabbath will take you. And it reminded me of just a few years ago in my own life. We were building this building. We were maybe halfway through. And I came down with shingles, which is a stress-induced condition some of you might know. And I got it bad. It was on my face and kind of then went on my back, and, and it was painful. And I'm sitting on my couch, didn't want to do anything, and taking, you know, I was forced to rest, forced to stop. And one of my friends came over and, uh, and says, hey, I feel like I've got a word from the Lord for you. And I'm saying, I don't want a word from the Lord. I'm, I'm in pain. I'm kind of just moaning and groaning, right? And... He went on to say, he said, I feel like the Lord has told me that you don't rest well. And then he went on to say, I don't listen to Jessica well either. And I said, get out of here. <laughs> no. 
No, he was dead on. He was right. And I, and I worked on that rest. But it's crazy because you got to continue to work on it. Even this week, as I was studying about the Sabbath, I was so tempted on Friday, which is my day off technically, I was so tempted to work the morning because I had work to do. And I, I was like, no, I cannot do this. I, I, would, I could not stand in the pulpit. And so I took the day off, and the Lord provided. And I worked on Saturday instead, and, uh, and it was fine. And it was, it was great. See, if you want a happy Sabbath, take a day off and waste some time. If you want an unhappy Sabbath, you're probably looking at shingles or a heart attack or something worse. I don't know. See, you can either rest or you can injure yourself working out, right? If you just keep on working and working and working, your body's going to shut down. Or you can rest, and what happens if you're into weightlifting, I've heard that your muscles actually grow on those rest days, and they're put back together, and they grow even stronger. See, Sabbath is a time for worship. It's a time for joy. It's a time to get perspective. It's a time to be healthy. It's a weekly reminder, church, that the people can rest, that God's people can rest from their work because God will provide. Just a quick takeaway out of this story in particular. I saw in the story that they were encouraged to boil their, whatever they needed for the next day, to bake whatever they needed for the next day. And the question I have for you is, and I'll read it like a habit, but you, it Sabbath doesn't have to be on a Sunday or it, it, just any day of rest. Do you use our, your Saturday to prepare for your Sunday so you can actually rest? And I'm, I'm the first to admit, I'll fall on the sword first. There are many times I do not honor God by making the Sabbath a priority. And it's not good. Lord, help us. But in the midst of the children of Israel grumbling, what does God do? He provides them bread, and he gives them the Sabbath. How many know God is good? God is good. He gives them bread, he gives them the Sabbath, and he gives them one more thing. In chapter 17, he gives them water again. Look at it. It says, all the congregation of Israel, the people moved from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandments of the Lord, and they camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. So they find themselves in a similar place. This is actually the third time God will provide. But it says, therefore, the people quarreled. They grumbled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why are you quarreling with me? Why do you test the Lord? Remembering, all grumbling is against God because he's the ultimate provider. But the people thirsted for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. This is bad. Moses is really struggling. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you, and there on the rock of Horeb, which will become significant in the future, we'll see that, and you shall strike that rock, and, you shall, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of 
Israel. So God provided supernaturally at the rock of Horeb. And if you just jot in your notes, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it talks about the rock being Jesus. Again, pointing forward to who Jesus is. See, in this time, they didn't just get water for a couple days like at Merah uh, or it, at the springs of Elam where they stayed there a few days. This time, this water was not just a little trickle. This had to have been a rushing river coming out of this rock to supply for two million people for not only a week or a month or a year, but for 40 years God provided out of this rock. And how many can say with me one more time, God is good. Amen. I'm going to ask the team to come up to me uh, as we bring this to a close. There's one other thing that caught my attention in regards to this grumbling and pain and wilderness experiences. How many know we all go through stuff and we all, when we're in the thick of it, it is very natural to ask the question, why? Why, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why is my marriage not working out? Why do my kids not uh, obey or follow Christ? Or why uh, did the you know, investment not go through? Or why am I sick? Or why is, am I always in pain? Why, why, why when we have our struggles? And I ran across something by one of the commentators I've been reading, Wearsby, and he says this. He says, in our pilgrim journey through life, so in our lifetime, we live on promises, not explanations. When we hurt, or when I, I put in there, when we struggle, when we're in wilderness seasons, these types of things, it's a normal response to ask why. How many have done it? Come on, with me. You've asked God, like, why, <laughs> right? But that is the wrong approach to take. For one thing, when we ask God that question, why, we're assuming a superior posture and giving the impression that we're in charge and God is accountable to us. Don't do that. So he goes on, he says, God is sovereign and does not have to explain anything to us unless he wants to. So true. Then he also goes on, he says, asking why also assumes that if God did explain his plans and his purposes to us, that we'd understand it, everything perfectly, and feel better about it, which is not true. <laughs> and so if we're going to learn, like it says in 1 Corinthians, from this Exodus story, we probably should not be asking the question, why? Instead, we should be asking the question, Lord, what do you want me to learn through this circumstance? And I just think it's a better way to live. And it's something, I think it's a more mature way to live. Instead of grumbling and complaining, Lord, help us. Amen? Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Father, I pray that you 
would get a hold of our hearts and our minds. And God, I pray that your word, this story of Exodus, all of the other supplemental verses, God, that they would just speak life to us and into our circumstances, even into the most difficult circumstances we might be facing. And I pray that you would be our provider. And Lord, that the, this story would be an encouragement that even when we do grumble, God, you listen and you provided bread and the Sabbath and water again. And Lord, you'll do it again for us. God, I pray that you put your hands on our lives. Help our faith to grow. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask that you just bow your heads and close your eyes here for a moment before we wrap up and we have a final song. I want to just, uh, with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, please. I'm curious if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Today is your day. There's no reason to delay. If you're away from God for any reason, today, come back to him. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, or maybe you've never experienced his saving grace, today, would you accept his free love? That love that we talked about in that song earlier, I almost interrupted and did a salvation call after that song. But if you're here and that's you, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but first service we had one young lady that gave her heart to the Lord. Is there anyone here? second service that needs Jesus to save you. Just slip up your hand. Don't want to just assume that you all know the Lord. We exist here to bring you to Jesus, anyone at all. If you're online and you're still with us, just type in the chat that you need Jesus and we will follow up with you every single time. Anybody at all? All right. All right. I don't see any hands this service. So I'm going to ask that you would stand. And I want to go back uh, like we did first service to, I skipped this, and, but I just feel compelled at the end here, especially in regards to the final song that we're going to sing. The song is called uh, Breakthrough, and it just talks about God providing. But I want us just to read this out corporately together. It's a few verses, nine verses. And uh, let's just read it with gusto. Let's believe the words we're saying. It's Psalm 103, 1 through 9, says this. Say it together. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Amen. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. Lord, I pray that as we close now, I pray that you would just capture our heart, 
that we would trust you that you are the provider and that you are good. You are making a way in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Come on, let's sing it out with gusto. No matter what you're facing, God is with you. He's right there. He was with the children of Israel in the wilderness, and he's right there with you as you're raising your family, as you're making a transition in business, as you're struggling financially, as your physical ailments are getting the best of you. He is right there with you. We serve a good God. And yes, he does listen when we grumble, and that's going to be natural, but let's, Lord, help us, God, to move from asking why to saying, God, what are you teaching me? Help me to learn. And I think it's just such a better perspective. Oh, God, I pray. Lord, have your way. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just two quick, real quick things. We have CityServe open right now. When you leave here, would you just take five minutes, 10 minutes, pop in there, say hello. Don't leave our CityServe team hanging, okay? <laughs> we, we want you to see what's going on. So if your family hasn't been there, get your kids and take them by. The kids have been talking about it. They're looking for a way to engage, and they need you, parents, to help in that way. And so CityServe. The other thing, we've been talking about uh, the Ukraine crisis, the war uh, of Ukraine. Ukraine and supporting Convoy of Hope. We are still receiving gifts for Convoy of Hope through the end of the month, and we're going to continue to put videos out over the next several days uh, before the end of the month, and just to stir our hearts and join Jessica and me in giving. Give a huge gift. I know spring break is coming up around the corner, and some of you are like, man, how do you give when we got spring break? Listen, do something for Convoy Hope, and God will provide for spring break. And uh, anyway, just say that in the, in the grace of God. But anyway, I love you. God bless you. I pray that the Lord would go before you, behind you, all around you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go in the grace of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.